The only job they had was working at a spa reception desk at the Century Plaza. And I remember one of my very first calls, someone called to ask if we did Brazilians. And I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> I don't know. And the poor lead therapist who just happened to be standing at the reception desk was like, <laughs> she was like, no, 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 put them on hold, put them on hold, 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 hold. <laughs> Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here. Are you ready for the Lead With Your Brand New Year Challenge here in 2022? Well, I know that you are because you are someone that is looking to own your career, turn up the volume, and show your value this year by joining us in the Lead With Your Brand Challenge. Now, each Tuesday, I'm going to ask you to tune in and listen to the podcast because you will receive a new step to build your personal brand and help you towards your next career break through in 2022. In fact, we'll even be sharing downloadable worksheets to help you kick off the new year right by visiting leadwithyourbrand.com. Now, we've got an amazing guest on the show today. It is Patrick Huey from The Quinn House, Boston's newest private club. And before we get to Patrick, I want to talk about this week's step in the Lead With Your Brand Challenge, because it is, quite frankly, knowing all about your career career audience. That's right. Just like all of the great brands out there, you have got to know and determine your career's target audience. Let's make it really simple. I want you to start thinking about the people who love you. Who are your raving fans today? Who buys your services internally? Who promotes you? Who asks you to be on their team? Now what I want you to start doing is thinking about that secret sauce because here's the dirty little secret. If you're trying to be something to everybody, you're really being nothing to no one. Let me say that again. When you're trying to be something to everybody, you're really being nothing to no one. So you've got to focus on that target audience. Now, you all know my years over working with the fabulous people at Bravo, they were always super clear on who their target audience was. When they first launched those great shows like Project Runway and Top Chef and The Real Housewives, they were focused on two target audiences. One, they called the wills and graces of the world, right? because they created personas or avatars. These were those upwardly mobile city folks, gay guys and their straight single girlfriends that loved going shopping and loved going to brunch and museum openings. And they loved a little bit of gossip over mimosas as well. And then their other profile or avatar was the PTA trendsetters. Those folks that lived out in suburban areas, they probably had kids, but they would not be caught dead wearing mommy jeans or driving minivans because they were the cool sex in the city moms that still lived in 
the suburbs. And all of their programming went directly after them. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to find who is that target audience for you and authentically who already loves you. Now, I want you to go to leadwithyourbrand.com because you can download the career audience worksheet that is going to help you do this work. I want you to grab a pad of post-its and I want you to write down the individual names, one name per post-it of your raving fans. Who are the people in your organization, in your department who love you? Who asks for your opinion? Who promotes you? Grab all of those names. Then think out into your own network. Come up with 20, 30, 40, even 50 individual names on post-its. Then I want you to stick those post-its up on the wall, and you are going to group them in anywhere from two to four buckets. I want you to come up with your own personas. Who are your wills and graces and PTA trendsetters? How can you group them, but don't group them by demographics? Make sure you're grouping them by ethnographics based on what it is that they need, want, and care about in a relationship with you. Resist the urge to say, oh, all of these people are my clients or all of these people are my direct reports, bust them all up and make sure that you put them in the way that they behave. Well, I'm excited for today's guest. It is Patrick Huey, and he brings his mastery to the Quinn House, Boston's newest private club, overseeing the membership, marketing, and programming divisions, as well as the philanthropic initiatives through the Quinn Impact Fund. Now, most recently, Patrick was the vice president of spa and retail at Montage International, and he's relocated to Boston from California to join the Quinn House, where he is dedicated to nurturing their mission in creating a home away from home where the region's interesting and interested meet, work, and play. Patrick also serves as chairman of the board of the International Spa Association. We'll be back in just a few moments with Patrick Huey. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I am super thrilled about today's guest. It is Patrick Huey. Patrick, what is going on? I am in chilly Southern California today. That's what's going on. And I'm actually back in California packing up my stuff to move to Boston where it's even colder. That's what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, so if you think Southern California is chilly, you are in for a big wake up because I would never go to Boston in the winter. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Patrick, this is just a a perfect time to talk because you are packing up your life and and making a huge career move. But so let's start at the beginning. When you introduce yourself to folks, how do you tell people and describe who you are and what it is that you do? That's a great question. When I when I introduce myself to people, I'm I've never described myself really in any kind of specific way. I guess I'm a, a, a maker of dreams. I'm going to go with that. I like to say I'm a maker of dreams. I'm going to put that on a business card. And- <laughs> but, no, but seriously, for the past 20 years of my career, 
I have been in the spa industry working in hotels. And that business is really about creating, mastering dreams for people, the dreams of health and wellness and connection and people caring about you. We create that. Yeah. So for, for 20 years, that's really what I've been focused on is really building those really beautiful dreams, those beautiful moments for people. So I'm a dream maker. I'm a dream yeah. maker. I love that's that. Fun. A dream maker. And, and it sounds like you're following some of your dreams across the country. So tell us about this exciting new uh, opportunity that you are doing over at the Quinn House. Yeah. So I was not expecting that to drop into my life. And it showed up in a really sort of beautiful way um, as a referral from a, a dear friend of mine in the spa industry. And I fell in love with two things about the Quinn house that when I, when I saw that and when I met the people, I was like, I have to do this. The first is, is the people themselves, the, the Edgerleys, Paul and Sandy Edgerly who own the Quinn house. Um, and really it was their brainchild of, of, of building a place where they could bring together different people from different economic backgrounds, different social statuses, different careers in one place in Boston to come together. I was just blown away by that because yeah. most social clubs don't operate like that. They, they tend to attract like for like, which is yeah. it's great. It's wonderful. Um, but I thought given, you know, the sort of times that we're in where we, we need community, we need to reach out to people who aren't necessarily in our network or in our circle, or we didn't go to school with them. I thought this is a really great idea. And I think it's a revolutionary idea and particularly in Boston and the Bostonians have really embraced it because it's such a new idea for, for Boston. People are coming together from so many different backgrounds and careers and, and, and interests. Um, and that's how you build true community. So that, that really interested me. And then the second thing that really was interesting to me was um, they have a foundation called the Quinn Impact Fund, which is part of my remit. So in, in this job, I oversee programming, marketing, membership, and the Quinn Impact Fund. And, you know, having been the chairman of iSpa for almost two years now, I really understand the importance of a 501c3 and the kind of work that we do yeah. in iSpa in terms of extending and growing the industry. Um, and that charitable philanthropic give back is so important. So important. Um, so those two, the, the people, the Edgerleys, the team that I work with um, at the Quinn House, and then the beautiful philanthropic work that they're doing really attracted me to the position. Maybe pack up in cold, <laughs> cold winter. <laughs> Who does that, Jason? Who does that? I do. Exactly. Well, it, it, it tells me that it's like that perfect intersection of of bringing your passions and your, your talents and then right. Really the needs of, of the organization altogether. Yes. Yes. Intersectionality, that word, that's the, <laughs> word the, the twenties, the 20s is going to be intersectionality. <laughs> yeah. And so Patrick, talk to me a little bit about your career, looking back over the past, you know, 20, 20 plus years, how did you even break into the whole wellness and, and spa and hospitality business to begin with? It was a total fluke. <laughs> I'm going to age myself. Back in the day when I first moved to New York City in the early 1990s, I worked for Ian Schrager. 
um, Ian Schrager Hotels Ooh. then became Morgan's Hotel Group. So yeah. before it was Morgan's, it was Ian. So I worked for Ian Schrager Hotels for five years and I did everything for that company. I was a bellman. I was a maitre d'. Um, I was a night auditor. I did everything. And so when I moved to LA after I finished graduate school, I got a job working in a hotel and the only job they had was working at a spa reception desk at the Century Plaza. And I remember one of my very first calls, someone called to ask if we did Brazilians. And I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> I don't know. And the poor lead therapist who just happened to be standing at the reception desk was like, <laughs> she was like, no, <laughs> put them on hold, put them on hold. <laughs> so that's how I started. And then I, I jumped around a lot. I, because I was so focused I moved to LA to be an actor. So I was so focused on building an acting career that I was just kind of like following whatever kind of came my way for my quote unquote day job. And yeah. so I ended up getting this huge background of experience in hospitality and in spa in particular. And I worked for day spas, fitness spas, hotel spas, and it all sort of came together in 2006. So about four years after I moved to LA, um, I took a job at the Four Seasons Westlake Village up in um, the northern part of, um, not the northern part of California, but the northern part of sort of LA County, Ventura yeah. County. Um, as their assistant spot director, I opened that property. Um, so I was the opening assistant spot director. And that's where I really decided, I think I should see what's happening seriously in the spa business. And it just, it, I kind of kept getting promoted and growing from there. Um, and that's how it kind of happened. I mean, yeah. we don't have hours to talk about this or cocktails in front of us. <laughs> now, Patrick, tell me, when you were a little kid, what did you want to do when you grew up? <laughs> I wanted to be a news anchor. Ooh. That's what I wanted to do. So I was growing up in Texas in the 70s. And this is back in the day. I guess it's around the Anchorman, the, the movie The Anchorman time, where they would do yeah. these big, like these big like promotional shots of the news anchors, like walking through the downtown area and they're yeah. playing music and they're all like posing and smiling. I was like, so interested in that, but also liked, which is why I think I wanted to do it um, was people trusted and respected the news anchors back then because they were, the, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't so broad the news as it is today. And so you really thought these people knew what they were talking about were legit were really speaking the information truthfully, honestly, with integrity, all those things. So I think that's probably part of it. And I know, you know, for so many of us, there's there's things in our childhood that just define who we are and, and what our brands are are today. What are what are one or two of those things that that you experienced as a kid growing up in Texas that have kind of defined who you are today? Well, I was the only male cheerleader on my cheerleading squad in high school. Me too. I was yeah. a cheerleader too. Yeah. Um, it was Texas in the 19, early, early 1980s. And I was this tall, super, I was skinny back then. I don't think I even weighed 150 pounds. Tall, skinny <gasps> black guy with these really, and I'm still friends with all the girls I cheered with back in the day. But <laughs> I was this weird unicorn because black guys were supposed to play football or basketball. And when I decided I wanted to be a cheerleader, I mean, I was called horrible names. I was called fag, homo. You know how kids are in school. Yeah. Um, but it taught me, again, to do what I want to do. 
no matter what people think or say. And yeah. it taught me, it thickened my skin, right? And it, I mean, by the end, I was head cheerleader. So it taught me, <laughs> it taught me leadership skills. <laughs> but it also taught me, you have to do it again, if you allow yourself to be put into someone else's box of who you are supposed to be or who they think you're supposed to be, you lose out. Because they've, they've moved on. They put you in the yeah. box and they've moved on with their life. You're the one who's like cramped, cramped trying to fit in a box that someone put you in. But that was a really, you know, I had to sort of stand by my convictions and what I wanted to do. And it was not easy. Um, it's not easy to be called names and be made fun of. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> that's life. Um, <laughs> but it made me tough and it made me not put up with crap from people either. Like, I'm very comfortable standing up for myself and um, but yeah, that was, a, that was a huge, huge learning, learning experience in so many ways. I should write a book. That's a book. Yeah. <laughs> Our tales as being male cheerleaders, right? I mean, Jason, you know, you know. <laughs> so Patrick, talk to me about, you, you know, you came to LA to be an actor, right? That was your dream. And so what was that moment that, that, that shifted and you realized you would really be on the business end of of hospitality. The transition wasn't as black and white, mm. if that makes any sense. So I don't view my life in terms of absolutes. Mm -hmm. I view my life in terms of, well, this is what I'm doing now. And so it gives me a lot of freedom to move because I don't get attached to, well, I'm an actor, therefore I can't do anything else. Or I'm in spa, so I can't now work in private social clubs, or I can't help run a foundation. So I don't really, I've never really existed in my life with a, in, in my life with a ton of labels and sort of I must do's and I can't do. So for me, it wasn't, it wasn't like a heart wrenching moment when I was like, Oh, I'm going to go do this now because I was like, Oh, I'm going to go do this now. This is what I'm doing. And there'll be benefits for my life that I don't have right now. And so that, that's what the transition was like for me. And I think, you know, I think it's really important that people, give themselves a break. <laughs> yeah. Because life is not, life is not a scripted event that we don't veer off of. It's incredibly fluid and dynamic. Um, and the more that you can embrace that, the better, the happier, the more surprising, beautifully surprising your life will be, I think. Yeah. Um, but I, I did have a moment where I was like, okay, I, I'm doing this now. And it wasn't painful. It didn't hurt because it didn't negate all the stuff I had done before. It was in addition to Jason, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I think about life transitions. Even recently, you know, packing up and moving to Boston, you know, I had, you know, you have feelings about things and, and you attach to certain things, but in the bigger, broader picture of your life, it's all a journey. Yeah. And I love that whole notion that life isn't a scripted event, right? Not at all. So at cool. All. And we have so much heartache and disappointment and shame because whatever the thing was that we wanted or dreamed about didn't come true. Well, welcome to living. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right? well, no. But you have to have, you know, your life is bigger than a job title or a relationship your life is this really beautiful gift that you have and 
within that gift, there's so many surprises. And the more that you can sort of open your arms up to that and embrace that, yeah. the happier and the better you'll be. And the more you hold on to things that, you know, that become absolutes, it's really hard. It's really, really hard because I don't know anybody whose life has worked out the way they wanted it to. And I don't know anybody who hasn't had, as you called them, transition points. Yeah. That's yeah. That's part of it. Exactly. And and so, Patrick, talk to me about what was that transition point when you really broke through into sort of the leadership and executive ranks? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think it really happened when I moved to Sandals to work for um, um, Sandals and Beaches Resorts, which is which I was based in Montego Bay. And I had been a corporate spa director before that. Um, I was overseeing 12 spas for a hotel company called Viceroy when I got the offer to go work for Sandals. And that was the first time I think where I would have called myself a proper executive. You know, I was overseeing, we had 23 spas. I was overseeing the tennis programming, all of the fitness. Um, and we were in eight different, eight or nine different countries in the Caribbean and Sandals, many people don't realize is a very broad and large organization. In addition to the hotels, there's a media empire, there's a car empire, there's the sales and marketing wing, which everyone sees the commercials. That's a different company. Yeah. Um, and then they also um, have Starbucks. So it's a very large, broad, um, vibrant company. And that was the first time where I had to really um, step up my business bona fides and really understand from a business perspective, because they were looking at things beyond just the hospitality aspect of it, which is, which is business, but it, it required a different skill set for me, a much more analytical skill set for me. Um, in that role, I also um, developed our own skincare line as well. So I was getting into product production and manufacturing and dealing with the packaging and dealing with ingredient decks and things like that in a very serious way. So it really upped my skill set. So I think that was the first time that I would say that I was a a proper real business person. Not that I wasn't before, but in terms of what your question is asking, it was probably yeah. that moment. And uh, what was the hardest part about that for you? What was the hardest part about kind of jumping into that type of role? You know, when you I, I, and I say this, and you know, I say this to to um, Adam, who's the the, the 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 chairman, the executive chairman of Sandals, and I was like, Sandals is a machine, and you find that, and I find that when you step into the to the larger companies, they, it's a machine, and you have to get yourself up to speed really, really quickly. Um, and they have processes, and they have ways of doing things that have been in place for forty years, and so that was a really hard adjustment to make. It wasn't an impossible adjustment to make, but again, I had to recalibrate my thinking because I had worked for Viceroy, which is a very small family owned spot. Boutique, right? Boutique. So it's a very different, different set of circumstances when you're talking about a huge multi-conglomerate business. Yeah. Um, so you have to recalibrate, you have to think broader in a way and you have to think, well, how will this impact the bigger picture of the company and what, you know, and, and because Sandals is really a self-funded company, the decisions were quite impactful from a growth perspective. And so every decision had a very heavy, weighty result on the other side. And so you had to think, I had to think like that. 
um, which I hadn't really had to do before, honestly. Yeah. So it's cool that you've worked for so many amazing brands, right? Ones from household names, right? Like like a, a Starwood and a Sandals all the way to these boutique designer brands, right? Like Ian yeah. Schrager and, and Viceroy. Let's talk a little bit about your brand. How would you describe your brand, Patrick? Give me Give me three words that describe your brand. I feel like I'm on the Barbara Walters interview. Are you going to ask me what kind of tree that I'm going to be at some point? Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think my brand is definitely a huge component of my brand is the global wellness, global spa industry. Mm-hmm. Being a leader in that, I think really has changed my career and my life to some degree, I would have to say. Yeah. Um, I also think that I'm a unicorn. So I know that there are not a ton of black guys like me walking around in the hospitality, wellness, spa space. So I think I I have a clear, clear awareness of that. Um, And I think the third thing I would say is that I am, I'm going to use this word and I don't mean it arrogantly, but I'm just being totally frank with you. I think I'm an iconoclastic person. Ooh, so tell me more about that. I mean, I just, I, I, I don't like labels and I won't be labeled, you know? And I, I don't subscribe to other people's thoughts or visions of who I am or who I should be and I never have. And so I think that frustrates people, which is fine. They can be frustrated. Um, but I think, you know, I think that's kind of, that's kind of, and I've always been like that. I didn't learn that. I kind of showed up on the planet with that. But I very much believe that, you can be everything. You can do everything. So to your first question, you know, I was an actor. I still am an actor. I'm just not doing acting jobs right now to make a living. Um, but I still have, it's it's a part of my, it's a, a huge part of my DNA. It's a huge part of my education. So all those factors come into play. You know, people are surprised that I play the saxophone. Well, of course I play the saxophone. Why wouldn't I play the saxophone? <laughs> Why wouldn't I? You know? So I think, I think those three words, you know, really this sort of iconoclast personality, a unicorn, which is kind of amplifying the iconoclast piece, but, and also a global leader and I, in, in wellness and hospitality. And I think it's more of hospitality and, and experiences as opposed to a very specific job because the skill sets at a certain level, just they transfer into many different things. Yeah, yeah. And so talk to me, how do you bring those three things together as a winning formula as opposed to something that could hold you back? <laughs> it could be holding me back. We don't know, right? I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. Well, you're going across the country, so you're doing something, right? I think the way you bring it, the way that I bring it together is in how I view the world and my world approach and how I treat people. Because I think that's what it kind of comes down to is how you treat people, how you make people feel. Yeah. You know? And I think for me specifically, it's really about creating a space within my world where people can exist and be who they are and where I can exist and be who I am and where I can speak my truth and my vision as I see it. And I think that has helped me be successful in business in life. Um, and I think those three things make me curious because I'm not beholden to a specific, oh, I only do this. I am only that. 
And so what it has given me is a curiosity. So yeah. I've done, like, like you said, I've done a, worked for many different types of companies. I've lived in many different cities. And that curiosity has given me a broad worldview and appreciation of the, the, the overall human experience and the overall, and the overall way that you live in the, that I live in the world at least. And so I think that is how I've been successful. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, no, I mean, Patrick, build on that because I, you, when you talked about being an iconoclast, right, you talked about sometimes that can rub people the wrong way, well, because, right? Well, yeah, because people want you to fit into categories. Like, like, what's the first thing people ask you? Where'd you go to school and what do you do for a living? Mm-hmm. Because they're looking for a very quick, easy way to stick you in a category so they know how to deal with you. Yeah. And I think it's part of the work that you do outside of this, the whole equity, diversity, equity, diversity, inclusion, and belonging work. Yeah. We like to pigeonhole and put people in categories because it makes it easy for us to deal with them. Yeah. And I, I don't necessarily care about making it easy to deal with me because, or to, or to make it easy for you to categorize me because I don't think that's necessary. <laughs> that's <laughs> more about the other person than me. And it's not about being rude or being, uh, you know, unsympathetic towards people. But I think that the more that we can let people just be who they are, the better off we are. The more yeah. that our expectations of a person are the person who's standing in front of me, the real person, not the, the degree, not the job, not the, the clothes they're wearing, but just who they are as a person. And so it does, it does rub people the wrong way if you don't fit into their specific worldview. And, you know, I, I had a friend of mine... Um, his name is Pun. He's a great actor um, and producer. But he he, had, he said to me once, you know, I'm not I'm not going to take a supporting role in my life, you know. And I think I think you have to be the star of your own show <laughs> in many ways, and that can rub people the wrong way. Yeah, totally rub people the wrong way, Jason. And so, Patrick, talk to me about how have you balanced kind of bringing your best authentic self to to work and done that in a way that's been successful versus you know where it rubs people the wrong way and, and they don't want to work with you. Well, you have to always come from a, from a perspective of kindness. Mm. And I think that's important. And I think you can be who you are and not be a jerk. Unless that's who you are, then no one's going to like you. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're a jerk, I mean, be the best jerk you know how to be. But I think, I, I think, I think inherently, unless there's something wrong with you, you know, and Frank was right. You know, I still believe that people are, are good at heart. There's still people, there's good in people. Yeah. Um, but I think in, in business in particular, you know, I think you have to be very cognizant and come from a place of empathy with people and understanding and seeing them, um, seeing anyone who works for you that you work with in three dimensions. Right. And the, and the one thing that I really appreciated about, the majority of the companies that I've worked with, I mean, they're obviously org charts and hierarchies, but they've all been relatively flat companies to where you work as a team, you all share ideas. The spa guy may have a great idea for food and beverage. So that creates a sharing that happens that, 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 that makes, that can make you successful um, in, in business. I also think too, that, and I said it earlier, there's real equity in being kind to people. 
you know, and I think, I think particularly in the world we live in now <laughs> where everything is just so fraught and so on edge and we're all in this, this, you know, we're, I say we're living in, in a Dickensian time right now because we're at an end of an epoch and beginning a new epoch, right? Yeah. That you have to have a lot of patience, kindness, and understanding for people. And you have to control your emotions, which took me a while to learn. You have to really be the bigger, better person sometimes. Yeah. You know, so tell tell me about how how did you learn that lesson? What, what was one of those moments you realized, wow, I've got to be the the bigger person here? I've been in situations where I have been what I felt separated out because of my race, um, or had things said to me that were not intentional but were very hurtful. Yeah, and in meetings, and the old Patrick probably would have raised their hand and been like what the heck are you doing? What the heck are you saying? The more mature grown up Patrick took them aside and said, this is how you made me feel. Mm. And I think that you have to have, be able to have those conversations with people without making them feel like they're bad or making them feel like you're judging them. Um, but that is a lesson that, that is, that is a soft touch thing that I've learned. I'd say in the past, like five or six years really learned it that, you can guide a person to a better choice and a better way of treating you without taking away their humanity. Yeah. Be cognizant of your words because you don't know who's listening. You don't know what people are going through. Um, and it, you know, that's how you have dialogue with people. And we don't know how to have dialogue anymore. We know how to argue our points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But we do not have dialogue anymore, which is. Which but I, I love that you really highlight right that empathy and kindness is about listening, and we're kind of in a mode where we just want to talk all of the time, right? Well, I've got a couple of fun, uh, fun questions for you, Patrick. We've been talking about uh, about your brand, but tell me, as a consumer, what brand are you obsessed with? What brand can't you live well, without? Okay. Now I'm now I'm showing my my bias and my <laughs> bias, which you like. I'm a huge fan of Tiffany. Ooh, yeah, and why? Well, I think the quality of the jewelry they make is really beautiful. I think they also, you know, they curate these beautiful collections of jewelry. And I know I'm not a jewelry person. Like the Tiffany stuff that I have is incredibly simple. It's not super expensive. Um, but I, I create. I really appreciate the craftsmanship of how they create the jewelry and you know um some of their brooches and the and the plum picasso pieces the just beautifully crafted artwork they're beautiful pieces of art if you were a type of car what type of car would you be i have a bmw 650i four door and why are you like that car it's long, it's black and it's long and it grips the road. Um, and you can either go comfort or sporty when you push the button. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, Patrick, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? I think the best career advice, I said it earlier, is don't be so wedded to an idea of what your life and career is supposed to be. Let it take you on the journey because it's going to, whether you want to or not, Yeah, it's going to take you. So you might as well 
embrace it and enjoy the ride. And also the thing that I would say is take every meeting. Oh, say more about that. Well, you know, and you know, anyone, anyone working today at a certain level will tell you, you get calls all the time for jobs and positions and things like that. I take all the meetings because a, you're building contacts and you're building net and you're networking with people. Yeah. But, but you never know what's going to present itself. And then my current job at the Quinn wasn't even on my radar, but I took the meeting and I was yeah. like, wow. So take the meeting, meet the people. And, 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 you know, as much as people leave jobs now, that person's going to show up somewhere else again, that might be a good fit for you. Yeah. Or that's an interest for you. So take them. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a, it's a high honor for a recruiter or an HR person to reach out to you about a position, even if you're not going to take it. Yeah. It's such, it's, it's such an act of generosity for them to reach out to you. The very least have the, 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 the respect to have a conversation with them. Um, and that is, and you know, and if you're not wasting their time, you're building their Rolodex and you're building your own Rolodex. So that's my other advice. Be flexible, take the meeting. I love that, right? Because if you don't take the meeting, you're just living life on that script, right? Ooh, yeah. Burn the scripts. Burn the script. Well, Patrick Huey, it's been amazing talking to you. I can't wait to uh, visit you next time I'm in Boston at the Quinn House. Yes, please, please, please come by. All right, and I'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing conversation with Patrick Huey from the Quinn House in Boston. You know, he had so many great career tips as well as life tips. But what really stood out for me was his whole notion of you can't live your life or lead your career on a script. Now, that's right. We talk all of the time about having a great career plan, but guess what? Your career plan is your career plan. You make the rules and you break the rules. You can't just be defined by your career plan because you will miss out on all of those amazing opportunities. You have to keep yourself open to all of the opportunities that your brand can help you get to your next career breakthrough. So as Patrick said, hey, follow up and take those calls, even if you think you're not interested. What's the harm? But more importantly, what is the opportunity? Well, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And make sure that you are going to leadwithyourbrand.com so that you can participate in our Lead With Your Brand New Year Challenge because our week number two Define Your Audience Worksheet is available now. Now, continue listening throughout the month by making sure that you're following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast because each Tuesday you'll hear from another 
another amazing business leader in entertainment, tech, media, and more. And you'll get a new worksheet that will help you on your Lead With Your Brand New Year challenge. Now, make sure you're checking me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And in 2022, remember, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.